0: Hi all, welcome to Energy in 30. We'll use the next 30 minutes to explore how utilities in the industry are reacting to forces that are shaping new offerings for customers in order to meet decarbonization goals. If you're a utility manager, consultant, technology provider, or just curious about energy, we hope to push your thinking about the changes that are happening in the energy industry with me, David Meizegayer.
1: And me, John Collins. David, happy Groundhog's Day!
0: Thank you. I understand we're going to have an early spring this year.
1: Isn't that fabulous?
0: I, I'm kind of the older I get, the the less enamored I am with cold weather. So yes, uh, I think that's <laughs> that's good news.
1: Well, today's a special episode for me. It's going to be my last time on the podcast. I'm moving on to a new opportunity outside of ICF. And um, David, this has just been such a blast doing this with you. And big thanks to all of the guests that we've had on. And I'm so glad that a couple of years ago, when I asked you to co host this with me, you said yes.
0: I am so glad that I said yes, too. so unbelievably bummed for myself uh that you're moving on obviously super thrilled for you um and i know we'll stay in touch and maybe we'll have you on as a guest hey there's an idea (laughs) looking forward to uh seeing what the future brings me
1: too wishing you the best so well let's get to it we've got a lot to cover today on this episode It's our 21st episode of Energy in 30, and we're delving into the crucial role of load management in the energy transition. And we have two thought leaders on, actually three thought leaders on. Um, We have Sally Jackaman, who's from OSI and Aspen Tech Business, and Sarah Colvin from GE Renova. And we also have our very own colleague, Chris Nehara.
0: We are so happy to have you on. And let me give brief bios before we get started. Sally is the Vice President and General Manager for the Power and Utilities Business at OSI, an Aspen Tech business. She's an industry leader, driving transformative digital solutions to enable the resilient, sustainable, and intelligent grid of the future. Sarah is the Vice President, Customer Success for Grid Software at GE Vernova. She spent her last 20 years uh in the energy industry disrupting the status quo in order to see customers play a pivotal role to the utility control room building towards a resilient future and Chris has spent more than 15 years in the utility space and at ICF he leads partnerships focusing on new and existing clean technologies and he also supports the design and development of residential load management programs for utilities so welcome, Sally, Sarah, and Chris.
2: Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to a great conversation, and it's fun to have uh, so many women represented here today.
1: I couldn't agree more. And David, wow, that was such a great review of everyone's backgrounds. I'm glad that you did that and not me, because that's uh, that was that, there's a lot there. So I'm just so thrilled to have you all on. Um, we're going to keep this casual and open-ended. And we've got so much to cover, so I'm going to pass this over to Chris, who's going to kick off our discussion kind of by level setting on where we've been and why load management is accelerating in terms of its critical role in the energy transition.
3: So electric utilities are basically going through a pretty big transition here. We're moving away from a lot of the old school fossil fuel heavy systems, I think, to, to smarter grids. And it's really not a question about swapping out those fossil fuels for renewables, but it's kind of about thinking, how do we use energy to to tackle climate change? I mean, that's probably a big component here. Um, When we think about how it was done in the past, we were burning all these fossil fuels, but now we really have to keep the supply steady. I think that's a key component to to bring up. I mean, that's really been a a game changer. We see all these shifts from wind and solar and hydro and you name it. Um, There's been a lot of cheaper green energy, Uh, we see a lot of folks focusing on environmental laws, and and most people want a a cleaner planet. So I think that's important to bring up as well. Um, One thing that I thought was really interesting was renewable energy now accounts for about 20 percent of the U.S. electricity generation, and that's really up 10 percent from almost a decade ago. So it's really taken up more room in the U.S. energy mix, and, and I think that part uh, gets us into kind of a tricky situation, right? Because now we really have to either use storage or other approaches to handle the intermittency, and and that has to be done in a sophisticated way. And if we're if we're not doing that, if we're not using all the possible advancements that we have in software and AI, et, et cetera, um, then then we're really not going to be able to address that issue. And I think we also have to get maybe a little bit smarter about how we use the energy, uh, how we manage load. Um, that's going to be a major role in in the transition. Uh, I am I am pretty pumped up though and excited about about how things are moving forward. Right, we got smart grids, electric vehicles, a lot of next gen storage tech like batteries. Those are really you know big game changers um, in managing that energy demand and supply. And I don't I don't really think this is just cool for the grid. It means you know we all get to play a part in the energy shift. Um, really thanks to that technology that's really letting customers generate and manage their own power. Awesome. That is a good level setting.
2: It is.
0: And um, we've, us in the energy industry, we've been hearing about this for a while. And I'm curious why there's such urgency now. And maybe we can start with Sally. What, What are your thoughts there?
2: Sure. Well, if you look at North America, you know, our electric grid, it, you know, really only started in the early 1900s. It's about 100 years old, which is, you know, very, very new. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, very young industry. And the current electric grid as we know it um, really was built out in the 60s and 70s. And the engineers that built out the grid overbuilt it for capacity reasons and um that's been great we've had no problems with capacity um growth until like chris said you know really recently the last 10 20 years where we're starting to see that the electric infrastructure age Uh, we have that aging infrastructure equipment that still might be 100 years old in some places um, as well as now we're at capacity of the grid in places. And the grid wasn't designed originally for this two-way flow of energy from, from renewables and grid edge devices. So we're, we're seeing a, a number of factors converge into what's becoming a perfect storm causing this transformation. You have aging infrastructure. You have an increase of renewables. You have a grid that's at capacity. And all of these things combined are really causing this transformative effect in the industry. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe five, 10, 20 years ago, load management wasn't a big topic, or it wasn't, maybe there wasn't a, a huge business case around it because um, the utility didn't have a capacity problem. But now that there is a capacity problem and there's not enough infrastructure um, and and uh, support for that, uh, you know, load management is becoming a more critical tool for utilities to maintain the balance and reliability of the overall grid.
0: And it's it's probably a cheaper way of doing it too. Um, I would imagine when when you look at the cost of storage to at least today, um, you look at the cost of building out new infrastructure. Uh, it seems that load management would be a, a cheaper alternative. I don't know, Sarah. Do you? Do you see it that way?
4: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think I think Sally articulated it so well. What's happening within the industry? What's happening from a, a grid infrastructure perspective? I think the complement to that is like the change in consumer and mass market awareness, adoption of technologies. I mean if you look at what's happening with climate change, weather related events, the impacts, people I think for the first time are really thinking about what does electricity supply look like? What importance does decarbonization have? And that's putting pressure on utilities to then also augment generation supply that add to that complexity. Um, You also have the adoption of technology that impacts the grid where we've never seen that before. So as utilities, load management was, you know, buying a device, sending a truck out, installing it, and it was a utility-owned device. Now you have this proliferation of DERs based on consumers' buying habits, not necessarily the push of a utility. And so the confluence of those two things, the grid infrastructure and consumer behaviors awareness it really is coming together. And I think that's what's creating the urgency.
2: Well, and in addition to that, you know, it's, it's changing the whole utility business model. Um, right. ut- utilities now, you know, they, you know, a consumer just was, you know, at the end of the line, someone that took energy off, you know, kind of a, you know, a, a, a sink at the end of the line that they knew nothing about. They didn't really engage with, you know, you just paid your bill at the end of every month. Um, Now, you know, with social media, with all the, uh, you know, grid edge devices, the Internet of things, um, consumers are way more knowledgeable and enabled at the grid. And that's making the utility now start to think about how do I engage with consumers? How do I offer them the programs and capabilities so that I retain my business and I grow my business? Um, you know, utilities, you know, they're worried about, um, you know, mean, m- ensuring that they have their customer base grow with them in the years to come.
1: I was going to just, I was going to introduce the concept of um, technology advancements, and I was thinking that might be a good segue. Is there anything exciting on um, anyone's radar that, that you'd like to talk about that's um,
2: in terms of technological advancements? Gosh, we probably need more than 30 minutes for that (laughs) (laughs) That question. Um, You know, I think, you know, I am just thrilled to be in this industry at this point in time because I just feel like there is so many transformative technologies that are available today in the space that in 10 or 20 years, we're not going to recognize the electric utility industry anymore um you know f- for example uh you know we mentioned some of the der's the electric vehicle integration and um you know consumer devices such as in-home thermostats but on the other side of it uh, the devices i mean we still work with utilities that are um f- filling out pay- pen and paper switch orders Pen and paper outages, when there's an electric outage, it gets on a, you know, it gets radioed, it called in, um, puts on a, a pen and paper, piece of paper, it gets radioed out to a field crew to go work on, okay? There, wow. there is really some, many utilities still in, the, in, in North America that are um, leveraging manual processes today to just manage general um, operations of the grid, let alone think about enabling some of the advanced technology at the grid edge or with consumer engagement. So, um, you know, the the Department of Energy's uh, funding for the IIJA and some of the other funding mechanisms that are uh, pumping billions of dollars into the industry right now couldn't be more needed. Um, across from the utility control room, all the way down to engaging with the end consumer. Mm-hmm.
4: Software is definitely, I think the game changer in this space. And, and the decisions, the complexity, the speed at which decisions have to be made to orchestrate the grid in the future, to find that balance, to build that resiliency. you You can't do that with humans. And it's going to require change management. You're going to have less power systems engineers sitting in a control room. You're going to have software developers. You're going to have folks writing lines of code in real time, updating, transforming how decisions are made, because you're going to have to balance that supply, what's happening, the demand, and being able to pull in and call on those DER resources or spin up additional generation or some change happens to, you know, the the speed at which the wind is blowing and you have to compensate for that in such short, fast, you know, turnaround, it's going to require software to really pull all of that together um, and make those decisions at the right speed to provide resiliency. I love and let, me ta-
2: ta- <laughs> let me just tie that back to what I said <laughs> earlier about the the disruptive factors coming together in the industry with, you um, The aging infrastructure, a lot of utilities are upgrading their their electrical infrastructure. A lot of money is going into the transmission grid and and, uh, substation equipment, as well as just assets on the grid, you know, solar inverters, batteries, and so forth. All of this equipment um, is is enabling the utility to have lots and lots more assets on the grid. What do new more assets on the grid provide? More data. So now they the utility has more and more assets to manage, more and more data coming back, and they have to sort through that data and figure out what it is actionable and how to take action off that data. So like what Sarah said, it's about you know the historical systems weren't set up, weren't designed to to manage that throughput of data and to have the processing power to manage and, and process that much data coming in and turn that into actionable information so it's it's causing uh you know all the you know the software solutions have to be smarter they have to manage more uh, you know volumes of data and it has to do that intelligently to uh, remove the noise to get to the root problem and then solve that do the optimization to solve it and say, you know this you should be discharging this battery over here or you know we're forecasting for something you know bad to happen on this side of the grid. So we need to take corrective action. so it's it's really going uh, to to really need advanced software in in multiple di- different disciplines of the utility.
4: The other part that I think is going to be really interesting with the data that you're talking about is how we can better design programs to meet the needs locally to a, a substation, a neighborhood, a transformer. Mm-hmm. Because when you start pulling that data in, right, you've got this network model, you can do simulations, the, the planning departments and these, you know, 30-year projections of, you know, what a resource adequacy plan looks like, that that is going to fundamentally change because you're able to take that in and look at what the conditions on the grid could be you know, an hour a day, 10 years out, with all kinds of modeling and simulation. And what we can do is take that and better design the programs. And hopefully we start to transition so that when we're doing load management, it's not, you know, one button across the entire service territory because it's 85 degrees and the sun is shining. We can get really targeted about how we use that flexible load, which, you know, contributes to a better customer experience, it's better for rate pairs because you're actually paying customers for what they're delivering when you need it not sort of this you know one size fits all kind of program that we've traditionally seen in the space
0: it's uh <clears throat> it's an amazing future that you guys are talking about <laughs> and one of the things that i also hear in it is it sounds daunting so Talk to me about, you know, how hard is this going to be? I mean, because both Sally and Sarah, you, your companies, and and you know, not not to deep dive on this, but your companies are working on solutions today to do this. And so I know that on one hand, you've got little bits of pieces of solutions, if you will, compared to what we need globally uh, across the country. How doable is it to scale what you guys are doing to what we need like are you asking we still a
4: silver
1: bullet david I, I'm, <laughs> a, I'm asking
0: like <clears throat> is there still a lot of development you know like are we still in a very much learning and growing mode and we have a lot more development that needs to do or do we have the solutions and we just need to scale i guess that's. i think
4: it the is. pieces yeah. are there and I yeah. I think really what needs to happen is is for companies to figure out how to show up better as partners um, instead of being you know siloed vendors uh, mm-hmm. because it's going to take the DER manufacturers partnering with an edge derms provider who's looking at what's happening at a grid derms level who's then feeding that into what's happening at you know the grid software side of you know transmission and distribution and so. There, there's a role for everyone to play. And if if we're so focused on just the piece that we're doing um, or not looking across the industry to say, how do we move this together as a whole? I mean, this is this is a really incredible space. We, we work with customers who are not competitors to each other. And that's a really unique part of this energy industry. And so how do we leverage that collective knowledge? How do we bring everyone to the table to sort of collectively solve this? Because there, there is no one who's both an in-home device and managing the transmission network. So how do we have these conversations and partner together to bring the pieces, to build the story, to have the kind of acceleration we need to move this industry forward? And I think that is going to be one of the critical pieces in this that will get us there faster than trying to go alone.
2: Yeah, I I would agree with that. I mean, it's... uh collaboration. I think we've already seen a lot of good collaboration. at the end of the day it's kind of a small industry. We all know each other. Um, but I think that also you know you asked a question about is the technology available? You know I, I do think like Sarah said, a lot of the technology is available today and not being used to what to the uh, to the fullest extent it could be, okay? Um, you know, it's, it can be complex to work with a utility, which is, in many cases, a government-regulated organization. It's slow moving. It's hard for them to make a rate case, get funding approved, you know, uh, get the resources to implement some of these technologies. Um, these are big programs that can be, um, you know, very costly and take many years to implement, so, utilities need, really need to be moving now. Um, they, they, you know, it's for planning for what they need in 10 years. Yeah. And uh, so, there's a lot of technology available today. But, you know, also the technology vendors, I mean, we we know we have more work to do. You know, we know we're talking to our customers and, you know, seeing that there are certain parts of the world that are, you know, getting to Points where they're 100% fed by renewables. Okay. You know, a grid, just think about that for a minute. A grid that, you know, on a Sunday afternoon is 100% fed by renewables, and you no, no longer need your, your firm rotating generation except for the inertia on the grid. So, Um, It's causing massive challenges in certain progressive parts of the world, Um, and we need to take those lessons and really, you know, work double time in our technology so that when the rest of the world catches up to the, the the, the leaders towards the renewable transition, you know, we're ready to go. Um, so we're trying to take those lessons today. We're b- trying to build that into our portfolio, um, so that we're we're ready to support the challenges that we anticipate in the next, you know, three, five, ten years.
1: There's so much that we could <clears throat> continue to get into. I mean, in terms of regulatory influences. Um, Such a big one, so much. But yeah. you know,
0: this is don't thir- don't go to the last question yet. It's Jonah. thirty. Have one it's thirty minutes, but
1: okay, <laughs> one, David, you get one. You get one, one, and then qu- we're gonna turn it to to Chris, Sally, and Sarah to ask the I, big question.
0: I, yeah, I, I had a question for Chris, and from the partnership perspective, um, what do you see? Uh, you're, you're spanning. You know, Sarah talked about the grid edge devices, the the derm platforms you could you know you got the ev chargers what what are your thoughts from from the partner perspective
3: yeah from from the partner perspective i think you know my, my impression with the technology that's available to to handle load management in the past i think there were a lot of kind of unique offerings that different vendors were bringing to the table but we've seen a demand for standardization and consistency standard protocols etc and so what that's done in many ways is commoditize these services, and I think now, you know, in the technology space, it's the commoditized service plus the additional value add that the vendors are bringing back to the table. And I think that that's really, you know, a key selling point, and I think that's, you know, maybe why Sarah alluded to the fact that, um, yeah, we need to look at it more from a partnership model, less from an individual actor model in this space for, for the transition to happen, you know, effectively.
0: That makes perfect sense. All right, Joan. Okay, David, the, you
1: got it in.
0: <laughs> I yield the floor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to ask this last great question, which is, if you could do one thing to change the industry, no limits, what would you do? And I think maybe we'll go Sally, Chris, and then end with Sarah.
2: Oh, my goodness. One thing. Um You know, I, I think that there's, there's so much great technology and, you know, we're as a software vendor, um, you know, we're always trying to develop more features and functionality. If I could wave my magic wand, you know, I would... You know, it, it, you know, uh, hire another army of software developers. You know, or or partner with you know folks to to continue to develop um, the software that we need in the industry. I think that it's uh, you know, like any industry. Um, Utilities, vendors, partners, we're all in need of resources and bodies and people that know this industry and are qualified and have the skill sets, whether that's an engineer and an electrician to a software developer. So I think, you know, we um, and our, our, our utility customers and us, um, we couldn't say enough to encourage people to go into, um, you know, the electric Utility industry, the energy industry, engineering fields, um, electrician, um, technical schools, we need smart people in this industry. And the more we can encourage people worldwide to go into this, um, we're going to need you. So that would be my final, uh, uh, you know, call out here to, to folks listening.
1: Well said. Well said, Sally. Thank you so much. And Chris.
3: Thanks, John, a really great discussion today. Uh, I mean, from my perspective and from everything we've talked about, it's pretty clear to me that load management is very important in this energy transition. Uh, But I think we can take some lessons uh, from other places. Like we look globally, Europe's made a very aggressive push towards renewables. Um, I think countries like Germany and Denmark, uh, they've, they've invested a lot in wind and solar integration. I think that that shows the power of, of policy um, and innovation, you know, kind of working hand in hand to make that possible. Australia is probably another good example. They got a lot of rooftop solar, uh, huge penetrations of that. And, that. and that, I think from my perspective also offers a, a blueprint to maximize how DERS are applied and and you know, where they're distributed. So, um, you know, most of these examples, like if we look at Europe and in Australia, uh, they offer a couple concrete lessons, at least at least to me. One is if we have really good policies and uh, we're, we're engaging consumers and we're really adopting you know, these technologies that we've talked about today, that, that's gonna accelerate that shift to a sustainable grid. So uh, if I could you know, maybe wave my magic wand, I would like to incorporate you know, a lot of these insights uh, to be a game changer. That'll help us drive towards being cleaner and more efficient, um, you know, resilient energy uh, grid that, that we've discussed today.
1: No, oh, I like uh, that magic wand. I
3: high, high five to that. Yep.
1: Absolutely.
4: All right, Sarah, bring it home. <laughs> All right. So my, mine is doable. You can leave this podcast and go and make this happen. And I'm telling you, it's going to be transformational. You need to pick a champion from every department within the utility and lock them in a boardroom to understand what each other do, what their metrics for success are, what are the important, you know, components of the system and have that conversation. I I started my career doing load management, like pager based thermostats and I would go out and reprogram them or check on them and come back to the office and, you know, run a, run a demand response event and I'd run to the control room and they're like, yeah, no, we, we didn't see a thing. We didn't notice anything. And, and the, the changes are happening, right? It's it's becoming impactful. It can't be ignored. And so the coordination inside of the utility between the customer experience, the folks doing not just load management, but energy efficiency, weatherization, all of these programs play such a key role to roll up to this more resilient grid. And then we need to talk about it with planning. We need to talk about it with distribution engineers. We need to talk about it with the folks running the transmission network so that the story... And the the goal and everything that they're working towards becomes aligned, and the role that everyone plays within their department becomes really clear, and you start building, you know, um, RFPs around that. You start making business decisions around that. You make hiring decisions around that, and you really have a strategy that's so comprehensive that everyone is going in the same direction to achieve those decarbonization goals.
0: Yeah, we got some good wishes.
4: I know. Those were fantastic.
0: <laughs> that another high five. I'm I'm just speechless. I mean, that's perfect. I love it. I love it. Well, Sally, Sarah, Chris, thank you all for being on. it. it's been a pleasure. Thank you.
4: Thank it's been you. a great conversation.
0: Yes. And uh if you've enjoyed this conversation as much as we have and i think you can tell we've just totally been enthralled with it let a friend know let a colleague know Um, it's one of the best ways for folks to learn more about this podcast and and you can like this podcast and subscribe to it we'd appreciate that before i turn it over to joan i just want to say one more time it's been a, a real honor um working with you side by side, not just on this podcast, but uh, at ICF and on, on the work that we do. And I'm going to miss you dearly, but uh, thank God you're just a phone call away and uh, you're not getting away from me so fast. So best of luck and, and thanks for all all the memories.
1: Oh, Thank you, David. You're going to get me all choked up. Thank you so much. It has been an absolute delight and joy working with you and doing this podcast with you for the two-year period of time. We've just had so much fun, so many great conversations behind the scenes and during the podcast and post-podcast. And we sure thank all of our listeners for your continued interest. And with that said, now, David, I'm handing the sign-off over to you.
0: Wow. And here's to our next energy and thirty.